0: The last year in particular, since I started my new relationship, I really loved, I had an offline life for the first time in so many years where I didn't feel the need to share my ins and outs. And we went on holidays and we went to Italy together and we did all these things I didn't share.
1: To today's podcast episode it's a conversation with Marcia Leone who I think so many of you will already be familiar with and maybe you're like oh that name sounds familiar and when I say to you Marcia Leone used to go by the Instagram handle not so mumsy I think for a lot of you that will click and you'll be like oh yes not so mumsy on Instagram that's Marcia Leone so my conversation today with Marcia is is really surrounding her own experience across a variety of areas in life. We chat about co-parenting, parallel parenting, separating, sharing your separation with followers. We also talk about the challenges that come along with being a solo parent and navigating it all, as well as the joys of having a new relationship and trying to juggle the blend. We both reflect on our own, I guess, I was going to say relationship with social media, but that sounds funny, but our own experience, I guess, with social media and how that has changed over the years for both of us. I really hope that you enjoy this conversation. When I reached out to Marcia, I knew that I just wanted to speak with her as openly and honestly as I possibly could. And you'll hear me say in this conversation, you know, there are things that I wish I could say, things that I can't say, and things that are like hard to say, I guess. But I did really, really enjoy speaking about these topics. And I think that you'll enjoy hearing Marcia's experience. So strap in and I hope you like today's episode. As always, it would mean the world to me if you do share it with your own community, whether that's sending it on to a girlfriend, popping it up on your Instagram stories, whatever feels good for you. It's really, really helpful. And yeah, I just I hope you like this conversation. Just quickly, a word from today's sponsors, unless, of course, you're one of our Venti members. In that case, there are no ads and your episode is about to keep playing Marcia, thank you so much for pushing through our tech issues and having this chat with me today. I've been looking forward to it. Oh, thank you. I'm finally here after a few hours of tech
0: challengeness. but yeah, all good. I'm so happy to be here.
1: We got there. Yeah. One of the reasons I've been really looking forward to connecting with you is that the more I learn about you and the more I have you in my social media feed, the more I feel like perhaps we have walked a similar path at times. Of course, no one is, you know, on the exact same trajectory, Mm -hmm. but it is really difficult at times to navigate a separation, particularly when you have a following. And then to also find your rhythm with co-parenting and then repartnering, it's a lot.
0: It is a lot.
1: Yeah. Especially when you've built
0: a platform based on sharing your life and vulnerabilities and motherhood journey and relationship journeys. And then all of a sudden, you know, things don't go to plan. And it is a bit of a curveball because There's privacy issues, there's your children involved. And yeah, so it's, and you want to share to help other women, but you kind of need to protect your kids.
1: And so it's a constant push pull. It really is. And I don't know about you, I'm certainly curious to find out, but I found it really challenging to navigate that time in my life because for years I had been such an open book and I had been sharing things and I'd certainly been sharing parts of my marriage And, of course, I've been sharing the most positive parts because that's what we do, right? Like it's hard. I don't know of many people that are in relationships that, you know, come to their platform in the middle of a fight or in the middle of Mm -hmm. struggles and speak openly about it. But there's certainly a level of entitlement, I think, that comes along often with people who have developed a parasocial relationship Did you experience that, like your followers wanting details or feeling like you misled them or that you owed them an explanation?
0: I got a little bit of that. So so I kept it private for six months. I didn't announce anything about it. And all of a sudden, so people were like, where's your husband, you know, within that. And I was like, I'm not, I wasn't ready to share anything. I was getting the kids settled in our new normal. Um, So I did keep it private. But then when I did kind of announce it, you know, 99% support beautiful community and then there's always the few that are like oh but you know but I followed you know your book and chapter on relationships and you know I'm really I had a few I'm really disappointed in you comments from women that I didn't know (laughs) like you should be working it out you know like so I definitely did experience a little bit of that in my dms not so much publicly and then I I had to just put some boundaries up, and that's why I kind of kept it. It wasn't really until two years post separation that I did that I really opened up about it and did my first podcast talking about um, that chapter because I felt like we were settled as a family into our new normal and was ready to do that.
1: It is a really hard thing to navigate and I completely resonate with your experience. Even just recently, Marcia, I had someone send me a message and say, oh, I've listened to older podcasts from when you were married and would you still stand by that advice or Mm -hmm. things that you said in those episodes? And it's like, yes, I still stand by those are the rules of communication and Mm -hmm. perhaps I was talking about those because that's what I was struggling with or, you know, just like I find it really tricky sometimes that people don't understand that when we are sharing things online, we can't share absolutely everything in real mm-hmm. time. And just because something changes doesn't mean it wasn't real at that time, because for us at that time, it was very real and you're just trying to do your best.
0: Exactly. I mean, all you can do is you know, show up in your truth. And everyone's journey changes and shifts and we grow and we evolve and with marriage or relationship breakdowns obviously there's no more growth left as a couple so and you don't plan for that you don't um, you don't know that that's what's going to happen so you adapt and you ebb and flow to the new circumstances so I think most people get it but there are the few that that do feel that they're um you know entitled to an explanation I guess
1: one of the questions I get the most is how do you know it's time for a relationship to be over? I presume you get that a lot as well. I get that a lot. Every time I
0: do a Q&A, about, that's one of the questions that I get. And, um, you know, I think that if you're asking that question, I think that, you, I think that you have to trust that inner knowing, and it's all about trusting that. that and, and, it's you know, you have to go. I went through a huge healing journey. 2020 before the end of my relationship so my healing didn't start when my relationship ended it was my ending of the relationship was kind of a result of my inner work and healing because I really got to know myself and what I wanted and where I wanted to go and the trajectory that I was on and my my children and um, so I really feel like that healing journey kind of got me to where I needed to be so I feel like that women when they ask that I'm like well you need to just really trust your inner knowing and obviously you do all the things you go to the counseling the therapy you try and make it work if that's what you want but you have to both want it to work or it's not going to work and I feel like a lot of women in particular have tried to make it work maybe a year or two earlier and then they've kind of tapped out they've already moved on and when they share it with the partner, then the partner's like, oh, I want to go to therapy, like let's work on it, let's do it, but they're already checked out. So, you know, there's a lot of, there's everyone's circumstance is different, but, you know, communication is the key and I had a lot of open, hard, hard, hard discussions obviously towards the end and I think you need to have those conversations. You need to trust yourself and you're knowing whether you want to, You know, give it a chance to work it out or whether you don't. I mean, I think that you know deep down what the answer is.
1: Yeah, I think for a lot of women, we do feel like we have to exhaust every possibility first, particularly when there are children involved, because you don't take it lightly. You know, I think that a lot of people would exit relationships a lot sooner if there weren't children involved. And I hear it all the time. All the time, women will get in touch with me and say, I'm so deeply unhappy in my relationship, but I'm so afraid of what it will do to my children or what it will mean for my kids to put them through a family separation. And like, I just feel that in my bones because it's it's a really hard thing to go through. And at the same time, I also feel it in my bones that you can't stay in a relationship that you're unhappy in for the sake of kids. Oh, a hundred percent.
0: I mean, Firstly, like happy parents mean happy children. I mean that's at, at its base. So if you're not happy in that relationship, I ask myself a few questions. Would I want this relationship for my daughter? How does life look in 10 or 20 years if I stay and if I leave? And, you know, you, you have to ask yourself these, these hard questions. But I think that we, the most important thing for our kids is we need to model healthy relationships And sometimes that's not with mum and dad together. Sometimes it's healthier when mum and dad are apart. And I want my kids to see healthy relationships. And, um, you know, I'm in a new relationship now and I feel like it's a very healthy relationship for them to to see. So I understand that people wanting to stay together for their kids, but I actually have asked older women in generations that did that and people in my life and and who I can see are in toxic relationships. They stayed for 50 years and i asked them if you could go back to being 35 or 40 and leave if you had the means to leave would you and every one of them said yes so and i also have messages from women who were in their parents they say that their parents should have separated and they were they had such a traumatic upbringing because their parents stayed together for the kids but they were so deeply unhappy and toxic so It's going to be hard either way for your children, whether you stay in an unhappy, unhealthy relationship or whether you leave. So you have to choose your heart and what's best for them in the long run.
1: And everyone goes through something challenging in childhood. No one gets out of childhood without some sort of limiting belief or some work to do when they grow up. So whether that work that our kids will be doing is surrounding, you know, Un- unlearning patterns that were modeled for them or whether it's you know pushing through and uncovering what a healthy marriage is for themselves every child grows up with something so like you said choosing your heart it's also just being mindful that as a parent we can't ever give them the perfect childhood no matter what we do
0: yeah 100% and i think the trickiest part for me has been you know, holding their emotions, you know, with the changes whilst navigating my own. And obviously there's guilt that does come in with that and sometimes you do question yourself. Oh, but, you know, you, you just have to be honest with yourself, I think. You have to really be honest with yourself. And I, I, do, I really don't believe, like I, I feel like sometimes in a society we value longevity, you know, we say, oh, they've been married for 50 years, how amazing. But what if they were miserable for 40 of those years? You know, yeah. so I, I I feel like it's more important to model healthy relationships and happy mums.
1: We definitely have to change the metrics and the success markers on what makes a relationship mm-hmm. successful. Just because it ends doesn't mean that it's not successful, doesn't mean that it was a failure. It just means that it has ended. And as you mentioned, you're in a new relationship now and you can just mm-hmm. tell, like, you're glowing, it's healthy, mm-hmm. it's wonderful. And without the end of your marriage, that didn't exist, and so you do sometimes have to go through these really difficult times. When it comes to going through a separation, were there things in the early days that really surprised you about becoming a single mum?
0: Look, I knew there were parts that I was gonna, I was gonna be lonely at during some stages of it, but I actually, what surprised me was um, a sense of freedom that I actually had. Um, this this sense of freedom, also space for female friendships to come back into my life because I had my children were quite young and I was a working mum and so you got your relationship, your kids, your job. I didn't really have much space for my female friends during that, that time, that season. So really kind of rebonding with them and finding new friends that were single mums opened up, um, you know, really beautiful relationships and a really beautiful time. And there was a lot of... during that time obviously as well a lot of healing going on but um I I feel I knew that there was never a doubt as hard as it got as hard as any stages got that it was the right decision I knew that deep down and um just because that sense of joy and freedom that I was able to access after that so
1: during those times did you find it really hard when people that you don't know well would ask you what happened like, why did your relationship end? I ask this question, Marcia, because I found, and I still find that question really hard to answer when mm. people that you don't know well seem to mm. want to know. And it's like, it's almost an impossible question to answer because there are so many nuances and it's like, pull up yeah. a seat. Like how long, yeah. how long do you have?
0: Yeah, totally. I mean, it's so complicated and impersonal and obviously there's I mean, it, it takes two people, <laughs> like it's not one per, well, you know, so many circumstances are so different. Like my DMs are full of women um, and a lot of them are so angry and resentful because the husband did something and I wasn't in that situation where I would, some, something happened to me or something was done to me and that, that's what you get it. It was just, which is in some ways it's kind of harder to come to that, to leave yeah. because it's like, well, It would be easier to point and, to something. Yeah. Yes and to the outside everything was good and you know sometimes it's not sometimes it's an accumulation of a lot of things and also just the fact that there's no more growth for the two of you that you were meant to come together for that for that time and have your children I totally believe that and then sometimes you can grow apart and you can grow individually and that's okay as well and I feel like we need to be kind of okay with that.
1: I also think there's a lot of growth that happens when you do become a mother. You know, when you go from someone in your 20s, mm-hmm. like for me I had my twins when I was 27, 28, I think pregnant at 27, had them at 28. By the time they were toddlers, I felt like a completely different person. And so yeah. much changes, and I think that's part of it as well. Like I was a different person.
0: Totally. And and just the
1: dynamics of
0: your relationship changes when there are children as well. And there's things that you learn about each other that, you know, along the way that surprise you. as so, well. you know, so it's just how you can grow together and evolve. And um, yeah, it's tricky.
1: You mentioned that you had space for more female friendships during that time. What are some of the other positives? You mentioned a sense of freedom What about in terms of parenting?
0: Look, the the bond that I have with my children after going through, you know, so much change is incredible. And, you know, I, so I was a, a, I was a working mum. I worked a lot. And, um, and then I had Poppy and I didn't have a day off and she was with me all the time. Um, but Archie was at, I think he was in kindergarten when she was born. So dad kind of took over the Archie and all the soccer and all of that type of thing. And um, earlier this year, I, uh, well, he's moved away now. So I'm the solo parent. And so I've been at every soccer game. So my son is quite good at soccer. He trains five times a week. He's good at cross country. He's quite a little athlete. Um, And I was standing there watching me got to the zone cross-country carnival and he was just about to start his race and I just started crying. And I was like, I have missed so many of these moments with him because his dad was doing those with him. So it just made me look at the positives. Like, yes, it's hard to do the driving and the running around and things like that, but these little moments that we get to share together are so precious and I wouldn't have had them.
1: Yeah, it makes sense. I guess that gender stereotype does break down when there's just one parent because you're not tag teaming in and out. Yes. Yes. A few weeks ago, actually, it was probably a few months ago now on Instagram, I was talking about this feeling of exhaustion because one of my boys hasn't been going to his dad's house. So we've had him 24 7 for months. And I was saying like, I am just feeling all of the exhaustion, all of the pressure of always being on. And someone sent me a message and said, well, that's just parenting. Like for those of us who aren't co-parents, that's what it's like. And I got really annoyed at first. And then I had to think, why am I getting annoyed? And there were a few elements to it, like one I hate that other women try and make someone qualify to some sort of bar or some sort of standard before they're allowed to experience something. But I also thought, no, it's so ignorant because you're not understanding the nuances. When you are a solo parent, you do not get those micro moments to tap out. You don't have Mm -hmm. someone at the end of the day unless you've repartnered, but you don't have someone at the end of the day to share parenting things with, someone to wipe down the bench, someone to tap in and take your child to soccer practice and those sorts of things. It is just a relentless experience of being on and it's all on your shoulders. And, you know, even when you do reparent, it's not the biological parent, sorry, when you do repartner and it's not the biological parent of your child, it's still not the same.
0: Yeah totally and I don't like to ask I don't I, I have problems with asking for help which is my issue but even of my partner we don't live together so we live in he's a, he's a father's well, so we don't live together but uh, if only we've been together for over a year and only the last few weeks have I been able to say hey I've got an event tonight can you come and watch the kids because I found it I'm like, well, they're not his kids. I just found that really tricky too. So I'm finding the merge really quite tricky, to be honest. Um, it's something that I never thought about. Before you just see people, oh, yeah, that's their step step kids or their step, you know, parents. But, oh, my goodness, there are so many layers to this merging.
1: So it's much to navigate. <laughs> yes. yes. Yes, I remember interviewing a family therapist and she said to me, on average it takes five years to blend. And I was like, oh, that's a confronting right. statistic but then once you're in it you do realize well there are so many levels and so many layers and so many moving parts that it does make sense that it would take a long time to actually get that cohesion and to feel totally. fully blended yeah. it's a big one
0: now yeah, and back to the sorry just sorry just back to the I think I missed the whole solo parenting the exhaustion of solo parenting so I've I've done the co-parenting. We did that for two years and I've done the solo parenting. So I've done both and both have their challenges, different challenges, but they're both quite challenging and, and, and their joys as well, obviously. But I have to say, so it's been six months since I've had the kids, um, you, you know, and, and everything on my shoulders. And, and it is a level of exhaustion because I think, I think what tips me over is holding the emotional, the emotions of the kids while navigating your own. So not only is it the financial, the logistics, the day-to-day, the monotony, the not being able to go for a walk out of the house because there's no one there, but it's just the emotions on top of that. So, you know, I've I've had moments on the, like, on the kitchen floor like, I can't do this, just crying, I can't do it, like I cannot do this. Just that level of exhaustion and monotony of trying, and then you've got to try and run a business and, you know, there's just... And you don't want to complain because, yes, we are grateful and we are blessed and we have beautiful, healthy children and our lives are privileged. So you constant, and then you start feeling guilty because you have that emotion.
1: So it's this merry-go-round of motherhood,
0: (laughs) you know. It is. mm,
1: It's so hard. And even even as you're speaking, I'm getting emotional because I can relate to that feeling of feeling broken yourself, but you have to get up. And you have to put the happy face on and you have Mm -hmm. to actually be the container for your children's hard experiences. So you can be experiencing so much inner turmoil and inner grief and pain, but you have to be stable for your kids. And that is just such an exhausting thing to do. And it is a miracle that we can do it. You know, I think it's pure love that we can do Mm -hmm. it. But, yeah, we do have those moments where the cracks start to show when you need to yeah. just let it all out and then you pick yourself back up the next day and
2: rinse and repeat. Yeah,
0: that's right.
2: Yeah. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer.
1: co-parenting is easy and it's enriching and everyone gets along beautifully but more often than not for a lot of people their co-parenting experience is challenging it has its different difficulties at different times for different reasons and I know that on the topic of co-parenting and parallel parenting both you and I are very mindful of how we speak about this. You know, there are certain things that I can't speak about. There are certain things I don't Mm -hmm. want to speak about. And then there are things I wish I could say. But on the topic of co-parenting, when I reached out to you, you said to me, why don't we talk about parallel parenting? And I was like, Mm -hmm. yes, because this is my life. I Mm -hmm. am not in a co-parenting dynamic. I am very much in a parallel parenting existence and it is so hard and not enough people talk about the reality of it and the emotional exhaustion of it back to being a container for our kids like it really takes a toll and it's a hard thing to navigate.
0: It's so hard to navigate. It's so hard to navigate because often you're on different pages and I think when you move on into new relationships, um, so we have new relationships on both sides. Uh, then there's a new dynamic of the partners' views on parenting that come in there as well. So um, to keep this very top line, but there's it's it's so challenging. So um, like my my kids will go down uh, during the holidays, part of the holidays, and spend some time down there, and they have different ways of parenting. So it's it's such a balance trying to respect that, but then being the primary caregiver, it's just who has to pick up the pieces. Yeah. Yeah. It's really tricky. Yeah.
1: So for our listeners who don't really understand what parallel parenting is, I guess my definition of parallel parenting is when two parents are parenting children, but the communication between the parents has broken down for whatever reason or it's strained it just can't be effective and it sucks, but you end up both raising kids, the same kids, how you want to raise them. And really I think the people that suffer the most are the kids because it's so hard when you can't actually get on the same page as the other parent. And I know we can't go into details here, but how do you like look after your sanity when it comes to yeah. this
0: boundaries 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 sometimes i've just had to say okay and it's sad because you know in an ideal world you do want a great co-parenting relationship um but i i feel like sometimes during and and it might it, 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 hopefully it ebbs and flows and it changes but sometimes um for the you always have to operate from the best interest of the children and sometimes that's just putting up a really strong boundary, and you know, if you can't communicate well, then maybe it's better not to communicate at all. And you know, always speak positively to the children about daddy, mummy. You know, that's very important because they are half of them and half of you. And this is something I always come back to, and um, it's so important for them to, you know, we all often say, you know, mummy. And daddy, we know we love each other because we had you, you know, those type of things. And Yeah, yeah, but I
1: think I you really learn a lot about your own emotional capacity and you do develop a new skill set, I think, in terms of compartmentalizing. I know for me, I have to really like I mean, I naturally have the kids' interests at heart all the time and I find that quite easy. But I do, like as someone who's quite sensitive, I find it really hard that I can't pick up the phone and I can't have that friendship that I wish I could. Yeah. And I find that really hard to get over because I think to myself, like, how? How am I in this situation? And mm-hmm. I wish I could control it and change it, but I can't. So, yes, there are a lot of boundaries. And there's also, for me, like a lot of surrender, like mm-hmm as much as it sucks sometimes I just have to go well it just is what it is and all I can do is look after my side of the street and as you said speak positively about the other parent continue Mm -hmm. to foster that relationship that they have with them in all of the ways that you can but also just yeah like allow yourself to go this is really hard
0: yeah and it yeah and it is really hard it is really really hard because you're tired together forever because of the children and you want to have a good relationship for the children and you know hope ho- my and my dms are full of women like women who are angry and resentful and I think that's one of the hardest things is overcoming any resentment and anger because that doesn't serve you it doesn't serve your kids and not only does it not serve you it can make you really sick so you it's constantly kind of taking the the higher you know responding by your higher self you know and really doing things to give you inner peace I think that's the most important thing you you need to have inner peace and um you know and and that's that's I see so many women who are really bogged down in that resentment and I know and and rightly so in a lot of cases rightly so and then they're up against this a broken child support system and there's so many factors to this and you know and I understand the anger um, but all we can do is control you know there are certain things we can control and certain things we can't control and we can control our reaction to things and that's it and how we support our children so I feel like that's what we have to focus on is just giving ourselves that inner peace.
1: Yeah, and sometimes it also really helps to just speak to someone else who has been through a similar situation just so that you can feel seen and heard yeah. and understood and just validated.
0: Totally, yeah, totally. It's so important. It's very, I mean, that was the, probably my silver lining of all of this was finding a very close friend who was also a single mom. We chat every day. We're having a mental breakdown because our kids are acting out or whatever. You know, we chat every day and she's my check-in person and and having that support from someone who's literally going through such a similar path, um, it's really validating and it just makes you feel like, okay, you know what, I'm not alone, it's not, it's not just me because that feeling of why – can they co-parent in this beautiful way? Why is it harder for me? You know, that comparison, which happens in every part of motherhood and relationships, can come into how you separate as well, you know, and how, yeah, so it's having that, that um, somebody that you can talk to is so important.
1: Over the past few years, how has your relationship or your connection to social media changed, if it has? You
0: know what? I go through ebbs and flows with it, where I pull back for a few months and I just keep it really surface level, and then I feel like being vulnerable a little bit more. But I have overall, I do feel like there is a sense of keeping things private. I mean, I didn't announce my new relationship until I think we were all together for like seven or eight months, um, and I pretty much keep him off my socials. Um, you know, he. he not all the time, but I I feel like I share, I mean, on my stories I share day-to-day things but I do keep things a little bit closer to my heart and that's probably because of what I've been through with the separation and I just feel like naturally I'm sharing in some way, some parts of my motherhood journey I'm becoming more vulnerable but other parts like my relationship I like to keep a little bit more private. So I'm just working out how it all works. And as we know with social media, I mean, it's the, it's the vulnerable content that connects people and, you know, keeps them there really. Uh, and at the same time, if it's your job, you know, you have to weigh it up and balance. But with my kids in particular, I, I mean, Archie's hardly ever on there anymore. He hasn't been on there for since he started school pretty much. I mean, he, he might be like visually on there. But I like to talk about my motherhood journey and less about the kids' per se I feel like that's how I've changed as they grow up and as they start school I feel like for me I like to keep them you know a little more private I think that's another way that it's changed a little
1: yeah I definitely feel like I'm struggling a little bit with the social media landscape in terms Mm -hmm. of I do want to show up and I do want to be vulnerable but I feel like nowadays I'm in a healthier place where I'm not heading to social media for that validation hit. And if I have something, totally if I, to that, yeah, yeah, if I have something to share, I'm picking up the phone and calling one of my friends, or I'm turning just to my journal. And I think, you know, it's probably to do with yes, going through a divorce and all of that stuff. But I also think it's just maybe getting a little bit older and Mm -hmm. knowing myself a little bit more and I find like the whole social media landscape really difficult to navigate at the moment you know like I have days where I think I wish I could just get rid of it and then I have Mm -hmm. days where I'm so grateful because I do need it to amplify Mm -hmm. the podcast which is my bread and Mm -hmm. butter which is how I raise the kids Mm -hmm. um but yeah I personally am just struggling a little bit with what I share versus what I don't share
0: yeah and I've had the last year in particular since I started my new relationship I really loved I had a, an offline life for the first time in so many years where I didn't feel the need to share my ins and outs and we went on holidays and we went to Italy together and we did all these things that I didn't even share and I loved that because when you're showing up so publicly um, for other people you just having this little bit for myself I really cherish it and I really cherish just not having my phone on I mean when we we're in Italy I didn't even Look at my phone during that time when we were together. And it was just beautiful to be like in the moment and not recording the moment, just in the moment. And I feel like there's something to be said for that.
1: Do you think that all those years ago when you were married and your following was growing, do you think, and you can completely ignore this question and we can edit it out, I guess it's more something that I'm reflecting on. Mm -hmm. I often think that. I was able to avoid some of the unhealthy dynamics of my romantic relationship or put blinders on because I had this other world where I could go to and have validation and have perceived autonomy that I didn't feel I had in my real relationship. And I think about it now in terms of how differently I feel about social media and I can just see oh, like no wonder I got on Instagram stories every day and tried to provide as much value as I possibly could because I felt like that's what I had to do. There's just like a different attachment or less of a sense of desperation or urgency mm-hmm. for me personally. Like I don't know if any of that relates. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. I think that might be getting older as well. And and
0: yeah, there is definitely... I definitely feel that. But then when, I log, then when I log on, sometimes I'm scrolling through, I think, oh, they're doing and And that comparison, it even happens to me and I have a big following. I'm like, oh, they're posting all this and doing all that. I need to keep up with them. And, you know, and sometimes I'm just like, you know what, I'm just going to turn this thing off <laughs> because I, it's not healthy for me. And then, I, I mean, I don't, the last two weeks, I think I've posted twice on my on my feed. And I just don't feel, I'm just, if I'm not feeling it now, I'm not forcing it. And I think that's the difference. I would force it before because I would have to show up and I think, well, if I don't have the engagement then I don't have the jobs. And now I'm like, this is not as important. Like right now I need to be a mum first because I have the kids full time. And my day-to-day is driving to soccer and cleaning the house and tidying up and then ducking off to the studio and doing some work in between there for my label. And, you know, sometimes I record little sections of that, but now I actually forget to just even record or share because I'm just so in my day-to-day life and I think that's been a blessing in disguise with my new situation actually because I'm so busy and distracted that I'm not kind of online all the time or as much as I used to be
1: yeah we could relax that kind of performative element because mm-hmm. the real stuff has crowded out a bit
0: yeah totally
1: I know you are a busy, busy woman. Can you tell me a bit about Not So Mumsy, the label? I was online yesterday having a look. Your pyjamas look amazing.
0: Thank you. Yeah, so it's been, I think it's been six. I launched when Poppy was born at the same time. So it's six and a half years now since we've had the label. And um, yeah, it's my third baby. So we um, have beautiful, sustainable fabrics. We give back to um, various charities and um, I hire single mums, which I feel is very important because I like to offer flexible working and yeah, I love it. Like I love creating comfortable loungewear for mums in particular to feel amazing, especially in early motherhood when you're just living your PJs.
1: Might as well make them nice, huh? And speaking of early motherhood, you have a wonderful book as well. Yes. It speaks directly to people who are going through that experience of my tricence. Where can our listeners grab themselves a copy of your book and check out your sleepwear range?
0: It's so the book is pretty much sold out, I believe that it's uh, on Booktopia. I think we have just a few hundred copies left, and on my website, so not dot so you can buy the book where you buy where you find the label as well. But yeah, my book has been. I think it's. 2020 so yeah three years and I actually read it what read parts of it for the first time so long because I felt really detached from it because I'm so out of that phase and I went back and read it. I was like no, this is actually really good <laughs> like I'm still Isn't getting it nice when that happens <laughs> yeah I was like this is great advice yeah and I went I was in Adairs the other day and this woman goes and she goes, oh, my gosh, I just have to tell you that I've got your book and I bought it for all of my friends. And I'm so happy that it's still reaching the people that it needs to reach. And, um, yeah, it makes me really happy that, um, that that I did that, even though I feel a little detached from that phase of my life yes. now.
1: It's something I often wonder. And it's something that scares me about writing a book is that we know how fast we change and grow yeah. and you know even like I look back on Instagram posts and I'm like oh I don't feel the same way about that anymore and so the thought of it all being in print is scary but how nice to sit down and go wow this is actually really good totally there's a relationships chapter that could probably be skipped over <laughs> <a> it'll <little> be <bit. laughs> speed no, read that no, one <laughs> <it's> all,
0: yeah <laughs> yeah no it's all um it's all good so yeah I'm very very happy that I did that actually
1: And I'm sure all of our listeners are following you. You are at Marcia Leone. Is that pronounced correctly? Yeah. So I
0: changed my handle. Yeah, I was not so mumsy for so many years. And yeah, so Marcia Leone underscores the handle on Insta.
1: Perfect. I'll have all of those details in our show notes. Thank you so much for your time and your vulnerability and your wisdom today.
0: Oh, thank you so much for having me.
1: Today's podcast episode was recorded on the land of the Bunjilung Nation. In the spirit of reconciliation, we acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea, and community. We pay our respect to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today.
2: Hold up.